The Bad and Ambitious Podcast is an unfiltered and authentic podcast where I will be discussing topics relating to self-improvement, finance, and relationships. I'm redefining what a bad bitch is, and I'm giving you the tools to be your most well-rounded and confident self. Follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts. For up-to-date information and motivational content, follow my Instagram at the Bad and Ambitious Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello baddies and welcome back to the Bad and Ambitious podcast. On today's episode, Beth Bradley is back and we're going to talk about money moves that you should be making. You're my first guest that has been on here two times and your episode that we did before that if people don't know, that one did really well. So if anyone hasn't heard that, they should listen back to the episode about toxic jobs. And it's also funny because I recently quit my last job and there were a lot of toxic behavior red flags that were happening which I think is very funny and petty but I'm glad to be moving on but today we're going to talk about financial habits that women should practice and tell me why you think this is important so this has become sort of like a pet project of mine or a passion I guess um, about saving money I've kind of turned it into like a sport for me and also something that has become really important for me for my own insecurities about money or my mindset about lack of money. Um, So it started a while ago. I guess what kicked this off was, and we discussed this briefly in my last podcast, was um, a couple of years ago in 2020, I opened a business. I closed eight weeks later because of COVID. Um, I reopened. And then shortly after that, I got divorced. I was in a lawsuit. Um, I didn't get any financial relief from the government because I was a brand new business. So, um, I was really panicking about money and things like that. And thank God I was able to survive all of those things. And there's two reasons. One, I survived because I'm just a tenacious person and I refuse to quit, but, um, I wouldn't have been able to continue to be tenacious if I didn't have money in the bank, um, and have some savings and have some smart Uh, saving behaviors that I've had for a while now. Yeah, I think where it starts off with financially, people should have an emergency fund. And I learned this when I was let go of a job, which we talked about in Mm -hmm. in our episode. But I definitely know the feeling of panicking and you just don't know what's going to happen. And having an emergency fund now, me not having a job right now, I have one that I'm starting on Wednesday, I have not worked for the past month or something, but I am not worried because I have money in the bank and I'm chilling. But I, this, I had never, you know, I set myself up for this on purpose because I know the feeling of not knowing when you're like, it's a panic. Like you have to pay so many things and even one month can really screw you over. Yeah. But if you set yourself up for the future, things always happen, things you don't expect. And it just makes you more comfortable making moves like switching jobs and taking a break or, you know, giving yourself something that you deserve. Or, you know, if your car breaks down, if you have a nice car or whatever, some of those bills are very expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's security. Financial security is something that you cannot put a price on, quote unquote. Um, (laughs) You know, it's it gives you confidence that you've, you know built up this nest egg, which is wonderful, but it also gives you freedom to make choices and not be stuck in a situation that you don't want to be stuck in. And it could be anything from, like you said, you don't want to be in a situation where you can't fix your car because then you can't go to work. Um, I know women who are stuck in jobs, relationships, marriages, because they they have not saved money. They're not in a financial position where they could just get up and move or get up and leave a job or a situation. So that starts to cause some fear and some panic um, with with anybody when you don't have, you know, some money in the bank. And I think people think you have to start saving when I'm making money or when I'm making more or when I'm doing this or when. No, the time is now. And you can start super small and very making small changes and habits 
like I did and start to really create a nest egg, especially for the younger people that are listening to this podcast, right? Like it doesn't have to be overwhelming to start saving and putting money away. It should be exciting for you because listen, nobody plans on losing their job, Mary, right? No one. Yeah. I, I didn't plan on leaving a job that I was at for 10 plus years. I didn't plan on ever getting divorced after 18 years. I didn't plan on having legal issues. Like nobody plans for those. Things. No one gets married to get divorced, right? Like no one takes a job to get fired. Like we yeah. but you need to think that, you know, reality is that sometimes shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Plans on getting sick or in a car accident and being out of work for a long period of time. But that shit happens every day. And mm-hmm. to start making plans so that if something, and it's not if, it's when, right? Your car is going to break down. Your AC is going to go out. You might have a baby and be out of work for four months. You may decide to be a stay-at-home mom for a year. Any of those things are, it's not if, it's when those things happen. So we need to start to be prepared for those things. Exactly. So what are your tips on how to build an emergency fund? Like, how have you done it? So I'm very lucky. I have been working with a financial advisor for 10 plus years and he is fantastic and he's become a friend. And when we first met, I met him, I was still married and he came to us and he was pretty young in the business. We had no idea how to start saving, but we knew that we wanted to start and we sat down and he asked us a few questions and he said, well, what do you have in savings? And I, th- I don't even know what it was. I said, I think I have 1200 And he said, no, 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 not like in your, in your checking account. What do you have in your savings? And I said, $1,200 or whatever the number was. And he kind of chuckled, which sort of like pissed me off. And he said, all right, I want you guys to do this for me. I want you to, for the next month, I want you to write down every single penny you spend, every bill, every meal out, your gym memberships, your daycare, whatever, everything for a month. I want you to send me that number. And when you have that number, I want you to have, do it by four months. When you have, so let's say it was $6,000. When you have $6,000 a month times four, we're going to talk. Because he's like, you can't start investing unless you have an emergency fund. Yeah, exactly. With him. And I said, no, 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 I want to start investing. And he said, no, 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 you have to have an oh shit fund. And Mm -hmm. I I, I fought it and and my ex-husband fought it, but it was the best piece of financial advice I've ever gotten. And it did not happen quick. I don't want someone to think that like, oh, I just saved, you know, 20 grand. It took almost probably 18 or 19 months. And what we did is we did it very slowly. I'm a hairdresser and my ex was in the construction business. So we were, we were fortunate to have cash, right? Our hands in a lot of cash sometimes. So we started literally putting $25 away a day in a jar. So we could physically see it and we knew how much we had to put in there. And all of a sudden we were like, wow, we have X amount of money. So while we were doing that with our cash, we also said, Hey, what if we just took $50 a week out of our, each of our checking accounts, because we had separate checking accounts at that time and put it into this other fund. And all of a sudden we had accumulated this nest egg. And it was, I remember the first time I saw $10,000 in my nest egg and I was like, Oh my gosh. I've never had that. Like, it's it's so exciting. And one of the things I suggest to people when you're saving, if you're someone like me, I love to shop and spend money and I like nice things. And when I was younger, I did that all the time. Put your savings not in your, your own bank. So I put mine, I bank with PNC. I decided to open up a savings account with um, Capital One. So the money got taken out of our checking account and just sent to a different account that I didn't log into, except for maybe once a month. So I couldn't see it, which I think helps. Because I think if you're having a shitty day and you open up and you're like, wow, I've got five grand, you know, you think that's money. But when it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Yeah, for me, I literally have a recurring number that goes into my savings in the same account, in the same bank. And sometimes I have to transfer it back because it's kind of a lot of money. And then I feel like, if I knew, if I just like set it and like had another account, I wouldn't even know or like be willing to take it back out into my other bank. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm going to take that into consideration for sure because 
I don't I do it with the best intention but then it doesn't really work because I just transfer transfer it like literally to the, the freaking checkings account but that's a good tip for sure you end up playing catch up a lot of times with that as you're like oh well you know maybe I didn't do as well this month or I didn't sell as much or I didn't do as much hair so you you know you have to pretend like that money doesn't exist for it to yeah. grow for you you have to pretend like it does not exist and that you cannot touch it which is why having an oh shit fund like that is so important and is a completely separate thing from starting to save and invest. Those are two separate directions that you're going. They're yeah, both- and it's a non-negotiable too. It it's should not- be like, for, like, no matter what happens in your life, you have to save that money. You, you have to, because I think there's a lot of people, so in, in my business, right, I'm a hairdresser. Hairdressers, barbers, nail techs, massage therapists, estheticians, what have you, tattoo artists. We don't have health insurance. We don't have 401k. We don't have retirement. We don't have any of that, right? So if we are not saving and paying ourselves, nobody else is. And I, no offense to anybody out there that this might land on, but I do not want to be 70 years old and having to work at a grocery store bagging groceries because I can't pay my bills, right? I don't want to have to work like that. And a lot of us that are in the industries like me that have cash, we do tend to overspend. We, you know, swipe our debit cards more than we probably should. And no one is coming to take care of us. We don't have a big company that's contributing or giving us insurance or anything. So it's really important. And there's more and more people, I think, that are, working for themselves and becoming independent contractors or Mm -hmm. 99s. And if you're not disciplined and you're getting, you know, these commission checks or you're getting, you know, a full check without taxes being taken out of it, and you're not taking care of yourself in your future, you are going to wind up being that person at 70 years old, having to still be working. Yeah. And a lot of people, I don't think they realize that is a very big risk if they don't save. Like I even have a friend who does have a 401k match and has never taken advantage of that. And there's, it's insane. like we're young, we're young now, but like we don't see 50 years into the future or whatever, but one day that time is going to come. And, and like, it could be at 65 when you're retiring, or it could be, God forbid, you're 30 years old and you're driving home from the gym and someone T-bones you and you're out of work for six months. Yeah, I have a friend who literally gone to an accident recently, and that's very real. That shit does happen, and you never know. It's like, I don't want to, you know, depress everyone, but you could be the next person. Yeah. And that's, that, can, that needs to, like, motivate you to be prepared. Yep. Yep. Be, just always be prepared and be aware of your spending. I think that's one of the biggest things to start with is people being aware And I I talk to my team about this a lot. And I also even talk to friends about it because, you know, we have an open conversation about money, which is something I did not used to do. And I was just talking to my financial advisor about this. I used to be so uncomfortable talking about money. It just made me weird, right? Like whether I had money or didn't have money, I didn't feel comfortable having that conversation. But I think, and the reason I reached out to you about doing this is I think there's a lot of people that are embarrassed to say, I don't know how to save money or I overspend or holy crap, I made so much money last year and I don't have a dime to show for it. Right. But if you make the conversation more open and you get comfortable talking about money and comfortable saying that like, Hey, I am a priority and my financial future is a priority. It becomes an easier conversation to have. Mm -hmm. I know for me personally, what I will say is that I somehow, I do have savings. I do have investments but I could do better. Like I literally don't know what comes in and what comes out of my accounts. Everything's on automatic. Everything works out now, but I'm getting older. I'm going to be 30 next year. Like I need to at one point figure my shit out and look at what I'm spending on. Cause I just swipe like, (laughs) like for no reason. And I enjoy my life, whatever, but like I could do better and I could be more serious and, really look at my statements. I don't ever look at my statements and I should. And that's the fear. Like people don't look at like, listen, I'm, 
I haven't opened a statement from my investment fund for probably six months because the market has just been trash and I know it'll just depress me, but I know that I have money in there and I know I'm not taking money out anytime soon. So I just like let it ride. But to what you just said about doing better, if you do something simple, right? Like I, I, I have my friends do this and I even had my son do this recently because he just moved out. Just look at one month's bank statement. Okay. And this is for you. This is for anyone. And look at every single delivery dude, meal out, Instacart, Starbucks. Just do that. You will be nauseous. I did an audit on myself a few months ago of just, I did like delivery dudes, um, Instacart. I don't drink Starbucks, but um, any of my eating out stuff. Guys, it's thousands of dollars. You don't even realize it. Like you're ordering Starbucks because you don't want to drive to get it. So your $3 coffee is now $7 and you're doing that two, three times a week. That's $20 a week. Think about just your Starbucks order or your Dunkin' Donuts, what have you, right? You get it yeah. every day. A $5 coffee, five days a week is 20. That's a hundred bucks a month. Like it's, you have to start thinking small numbers like that. So when I started looking at what I was spending on food and delivery services, I was like, okay, I know I'm not going to just never order food. That's ridiculous, but I'm going to cut it to twice a week. If I want to go out to eat, I'll do that. But I'm really going to try only doing restaurants and delivery services twice a week. I noticed a huge difference in my checking account. Like it just adds up. I mean, you order a pizza, it's 20 bucks. If you go pick it up, you have it delivered. It's 27 plus, mm -hmm. plus delivery fees, you know, and you add those little numbers up and the little amounts is where you start to save. Right? Yeah. Cause even before, like when you were little $25 was like kind of a lot, but with the economy now a meal, like a decent meal is like $25. And it's something to be said about swiping your card for 25 and taking $25 physically out of your wallet. People that have cash more often usually will think twice about spending. It's that physical, like I'm seeing it come out of my wallet and disappearing as opposed to it just being like a virtual thing. And it's just like, it comes, comes out of the air. Yeah. I recently saw this woman. She's really amazing. I wish I knew her name, but she was a younger woman. She's done Good Morning America, probably in her early 30s, and she was like 60 grand in debt. She just could not catch up. So she decided to do something she had seen her grandmother do years ago, which was whatever the amount. She, she went to the bank every Friday and she took $150 out. And she came home and she had envelopes for everything phone, TV, gym you know, miscellaneous, whatever. And she took that $20 or whatever and put it into each thing. And because she could physically see that money coming out, she started to realize like, wow, I'm, I'm really making a dent. So for some people, that cash aspect does, it makes it better for them. It, it works good for me. I like taking money out of my wallet and putting it in a jar or whatever. I empty my ones and my change out all the time and it's my vacation funds like i just throw it in a jar and at the end of the year i count it up and i'm like I, you'd be shocked at what you have you'd be shocked yeah it's like the like when you're a little kid and you're just like give her little like piggy bank yeah and it was like exciting when that shit got full even though it was like quarters and whatever <laughs> but and some people, a, some it makes people, sense some people are okay with saving and, and not seeing it i'm i'm not like i said i'm i see that money and i would spend it and I even, I'm looking at it right now. I'm a very visual person. I even have like, you know, mantras and positive affirmations written in my bathroom, in my kitchen. So I see them all the time. I have a jar for dollar bills and I have a jar for $10 because I decided I was going to do a challenge this year and I was going to put $10 a day away for a year. And it's like over $3,600. And I have little notes on there that says for my future wealth, I'm worth it. This is my investment in myself. And I look at it every single day. And if one day I don't have $10, then the next day I put a $20 bill in. But I physically put those dollars in and I look at it. And that's just one, that's one stream of income, right? You doing what you said and taking 
a, a specific amount of money a week. I don't care if it's $20 a week into a savings account. $20 more than you were putting in the day before. And then all of a sudden you start making more money and $20 goes to $50 a week. And then $50 a week is $100 a week and you don't even notice it. So yeah, exactly. in different places, like you all of a sudden realize, holy crap, I've got a decent amount of money. Yeah, because a lot of people, especially with everyone's trying to sell you something, people go out, they drink, you know, you go to the mall, you want a snack, and then you want another snack, and everything is just available to you to spend money on. That stuff you don't really notice going away. Yeah, you realize you don't really have that much money, but, like, cutting out a few things here and there definitely adds up. And little things, like, you know, a $3 Celsius a day and a $7 Starbucks a day, and you're ordering lunch for 15 bucks. Guess what? That's, you know, you just spent $35 in food and beverage in one day. I know. It's insane. It's insane. So it's just, it's just little things to be conscious of, I think, is the first place people need to start. Yeah, if people don't have, like, a lot of extra income from their job, I always suggest for people to have a side hustle for whatever they're interested in. It needs to be something that they actually enjoy doing because that money can be used for just fun or use that to work on your emergency fund solely. But a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands and they don't realize that they can have, they have skills that they can monetize. And I have kind of two side jobs I do Instagram for this one organization and that gives me a decent amount of money and I like working toward earning money and stuff like that but there's so many different things that people can do like clean you can clean houses you can do social media for whatever create graphics go yeah like help at like a catering company that just does jobs once in a while become a bartender and just work events there's so many different things that people can do. Sell your shit in your closet. Like I've sold random shit on eBay and Poshmark and people actually buy it. So there's kind of no excuse to not be saving money or not making money. If you're broke, there's always ways to make more income. Absolutely. And there is no excuse. I, you can, I mean, I know single moms and single dads out there that have good jobs, right? Maybe they went through a divorce or something. And now they like a couple days a week, they do delivery dudes or Uber eats or Instacart or ship like no shame in that game. You're making passive income. You know, people hate on the MLM stuff. They're like, Oh, it's a pyramid, whatever. I know people that are very successful that sell anything from freaking protein powder to collagen, to hair growth shit, to stick. <laughs> I was like, I'm not mad about that. And a lot of them use it for secondary income. Who cares? When I first started doing hair, after assisting, I was making no money because you're literally just, you're just waiting for someone to walk into your chair, right? I worked 45 hours a week in the salon and every Friday and Saturday night for probably five years, I bartended and waitressed and every other Sunday I cleaned houses. I worked three jobs couple extra hours here and there, like on a Sunday or a Saturday night or something, but I literally couldn't survive. And this is back in the day when my rent was like four fifteen a month. I mean, I don't know how people are doing it right now in this economy. If you're not working multiple jobs or at least having some secondary dairy or some sort of passive income, like you said, there, everyone is hiring everyone. I get pop-ups for being an Amazon influencer, uh, work from home, do a call center. Like if you want to make more money, you can, you can, but a lot of people don't want to work more than eight hours. They want to work four day work weeks. They, you know, I'm so tired. I need to take care. Yeah, I get it. Everyone's tired, but better that you hustle now than hustle in your fifties and sixties and you're out of panic mode. Yeah. Because you have to, because you have to. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you got to go out and burn yourself out and work a hundred hours a week, but I'm saying there's a lot of wasted hours for people that say I'm not making enough money that aren't doing more than they could do. Exactly. And we live in America. Like I've traveled to other countries. I'm from Colombia. Other people don't have those opportunities. So the fact that we have like a gig economy in America and there's opportunities to make money, people make money on the stupidest shit now. Like 
it's so easy and people want to kind of blame themselves or like be a victim and just like claim that they're broke but they're not doing anything about it and if you're really wanting to succeed and do better for yourself then start working i mean they just i just saw something i guess instagram launched this thing i don't know too much about it so if i say it wrong i apologize you can pay $15 now. I don't know if it's a one-time thing or a month to have a blue check next to your name. Yeah, I think it's a month. Okay. For what? To verify who you are? You know who the fuck you are. I know who you are. Why? So that you can be recognized by more. $15 a month. Again, something small like that times it by 12. You know, it's those little things that we're spending money on that are, are we're wasting. It's It's a waste of money. Exactly. A lot of people also don't live within their means and they spend money that they don't have and they have to play catch up. And I know a lot of people who have credit card debt, but there are a lot of things that they bought that wasn't worth paying like 22% interest on. Oh, no. One of the things I, when I, I'm not coaching anybody, but when I'm talking to my girlfriends and or friends and they're like, you know, what do you do? And a girlfriend of mine, we just had this conversation yesterday at brunch. And she's like, Beth, because I was telling her about doing this podcast. And she said, me and my boyfriend were just having like a budget meeting. And I made $7,000 last month, but I spent $9,500. And so we were talking about it. As we're talking about it, like 45 minutes later, she shows me this dress. And she said, oh, my God, look at this dress. And I said, if you have the money to take it out of your debit card right now, Maybe I would think about it twice, but if you're thinking about putting on a credit card, you're crazy. Like think about taking that money. Actually, again, take that money actually out of your wallet or your, you know, your, your debit card wallet, whatever. But people get really caught up in that dress, those shoes, that purse and I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I do it far less than I used to because I'm so conscious of it, but yeah, you look at somebody that has, you know, $20,000 in credit card debt. How much was actually merchandise and how much was fees and late fees and interest? Yeah, and like they, I feel like they can never catch up. You, It's very difficult to catch up. And they do that on purpose. Obviously, they're making money off of you. Of course they do. And then guess what? When you can't pay, then, you know, you have situations where I've seen people that were very successful but very poor, poor, poor money managers. And then they're claiming bankruptcy. Yeah. Then what? Then you can't get an apartment. You can't get a car in your name. You can't, you know, go finance a new washer and dryer from Best Buy. Like you are fucked when you mess with your credit and you don't have savings. Yeah. When you're in that position, you don't even remember the bullshit that you spent the, all the money on. Oh my gosh. It- I have a closet full of, you know, do I really need one more black shirt? Do I really need one more pair of black Lululemon leggings? No. Do I still sometimes have to catch myself being impulsive with purchases? For sure. Um, But I just did it kind of what you said. I did like a, a clothes edit and I went through all of my workout gear. I happen to have an addiction to workout clothes and they're expensive. So I went through all my Lululemon, my Athleta. I went through sports bras. I went through all this stuff. And I like nice jeans too. And I put it up and people just jumped at it. And I I probably paid like 250 bucks. I've never sold like my clothes before. I usually just donate them. And I was like, well, that's cool. That was fairly easy. I mean, literally one woman was like, I'll take everything. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like you said, stuff like that. Um, there are ways if you want to hustle, you can make extra money. You can also just get free shit on like OfferUp and sell the free shit. I have a lady that lives across the street from me and she used to drive me crazy. And now we're like friends. We were like enemies forever. This <sighs> would have garage sales like twice a month. It used to just piss me off. Traffic was like backed up and down, whatever. And then finally, I ended up like talking to her and realized she was a single mom. And one of her kids was in college. The other one was still living at home and she was working full time. She worked at Home Depot full time. And she also babysat here and there for people like in our neighborhood. 
And she just said, you know, I just, we didn't have any financial like savings. My son's in college. I did want him to not go to college. So she, I'm like, where do you get all this shit for these garage sales? Right. She said, I drive around the neighborhood and I just look for stuff people are throwing out and I take it home. I clean it up and I resell it. And all of a sudden, instead of me being mad at her for the annoying traffic on a Saturday morning when I'm trying to work, I was like, I respect that hustle because I came from a single mom who was a professional college educated woman. And there was a lot of times my mom worked two jobs just for extra money. My mom was an advertising and marketing director for Jacobson's. It was a store. It's not open anymore. Um, and my mom taught English sometimes as a second language. She sometimes worked at my dad's restaurant. She sometimes, you know, like, no, you, you, you gotta kind of remove the, I'm only working 40 hours a week kind of mindset. If you want to hustle and be successful and put money away. Yeah. And also I think that people should have goals like, Hey, what are you saving for? And then once you reach that goal, okay, what's your next goal? Because if you're like not really planning anything out, that's kind of a problem. You're not planning how much you're spending. You're not planning how much you're saving. You're not like being strategic about it. No. And it's also like a reward to yourself when you, let's say you save a thousand dollars. I don't care if it's in a jar or in an account, right? That is a reward to you, you know? And maybe when you get that thousand bucks and you're going to put $800 towards your credit card or $900, you know, you take yourself to a nice dinner or you buy yourself a pair of leggings or new sneakers, you know, for the gym. Um, But you have to, I feel like, have a bigger goal before you treat yourself. Yeah, for sure. So what are the things that you like to treat yourself besides like your gym stuff? And like, for me, it's travel. Yeah. And I do like to eat really good, but I know like I eat out too much where I can improve is cooking at home maybe once or twice a week. Yeah. Cause that could make a difference. It's a huge difference. I think food and eating out and entertainment is one of the things I encourage people. Like I said, just go through your month and look at what you spent on coffee and food. And it's shocking. Um, I like good food too. I grew up. Only thing I've ever done other than hair is food. I, my parents owned a restaurant. So I worked in the restaurant business and I bartended when I was in beauty school and I waited tables. Um, so all I've ever done is hair or uh, restaurant stuff. I like, you know, a nice bag here and there, but like I buy myself a nice bag maybe once every couple of years or something. Um, and I actually just sold a bag. I, I like good bags. So I sold one and made money and then put it towards my, I want another one, another purse. So I'm using that towards my next one. Um, but travel, I think for me is the number one thing that I save for because I took my son to Italy when he was 15, just the two of us. And I had been saving in this jar, my tip jar forever. And I had all these miles that I was saving for whatever. And I kept asking my ex-husband at the time, like, I want to go to Europe. I want to go to, and he's like, ah, I don't have any interest. And I was like, fuck it. I'm taking the kid. And we flew first class to Italy. We stayed in four-star hotels. We had great reservations. And I'm not bragging. I, I saved for three and a half years for this. And once you travel like that, and you know, Mary, you travel. You cannot travel any other way. Like, or I guess I could, but I'm at the point now with the way that I save, I don't have to. So if I'm going to Europe or uh, like anything that's longer than five hours, I'm like, I can use all my points and I hoard my points for travel um, to fly business class or to reimburse myself for tickets or to pay for really nice hotel rooms. That's where I allocate my fun money to. Yeah. And it's, we're also saying that it's okay to have those nice things that you want and you work toward. Cause a lot of people want to preach this whole thing, like sacrifice everything, like don't have fun for like 10 years. That's not really for me, a life worth living. If you're not enjoying your life now and you don't have to ball out. Like if you don't no. have money for first class tickets, don't, you don't have that money, right. but you do have that money. Enjoy the fuck yeah. out of it and know that you belong there and you're worth, this experience because you saved for it and you earned it. Well, exactly. What, like that all or nothing mindset, I don't think is sustainable for 99% of the people, right? Like you said, like, don't do anything for 10 years. That's why so many quote unquote diets fail, right? Because people are like, 
I'm going to do whole 30, no sugar for 30 days. I'm going to do keto, no carbs. I'm going to do this. And what happens? It's not fucking sustainable because you can't live your life. Just like saying you can't spend any money or ever go out to dinner or whatever. That's ridiculous. But you got to have like, it's like the 80-20 rule, right? Yeah. 80% consistent with your diet, your savings, whatever. The 20%, if you, you know, mess around a little, is not going to affect. Because you're number one, if you're keeping at that 80% consistency, you're in a routine, you're in a rhythm, you're doing it, right? But when you try to take everything of joy out of your life, I don't care if it's food, money, travel, whatever, it's not sustainable. And then people end up, quote unquote, blowing their diet, right? They blow their diet. They say, fuck it, I couldn't save the money, so I'm just going to spend money or open up a new credit card. <clears throat> just keep that 80-20 rule. And you'll- yeah. People need balance to enjoy life because you also can't just ball out crazy and expect everything to be fine. And you can't also deprive yourself of happiness and, you know, and there's ways to work around things. So if you want to travel, you don't have to spend that much money. Like I travel often and some flights I spend like 180 on and sometimes they're free because I have my miles. And I, if I'm going to Colombia or certain countries where I don't want to pay for a bag, sometimes I travel with just a personal item, which Mm -hmm. is, some people probably can't even fathom doing that. But if you want to, you would, and you need to decide like, okay, what do I want to spend my money on? Is it worth, you know, the experience rather than like bringing a bunch of cute outfits and whatever, like you need to realize like, okay, what am I okay with? What am I not okay with? And also, like you said about the business class I came back from my trip to Egypt and Turkey and our flights were so freaking long I'm like this is not like I want to work toward like spending more money on like a better seat or something because 10 hours 12 hours sitting in like one seat is like not fun let me go back and just say like about the balling out thing and like I'm not trying to say oh I flew first class like whatever I had not taken a vacation or a trip. That's amazing. However, balling out looks very different in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s. Like th- to me, balling out in my 20s was going out, you know, drinking seven vodka cranberries and having the, you know, sickest outfit on and looking so cool and and not having a dime in the bank. Right. That was my idea of balling out. 30s, I had a kid. It was a little different. I still like nice things. 40s when I took my trip to Italy I wasn't wasting my money on dumb clothes I wasn't eating out a lot I was a little bit more established with my savings um I got a credit card I knew that I wanted to go to Italy so I got a credit card that was super good for miles and I put every single thing whether it was groceries gas anything. I put on that credit card and I paid it off every single month to acquire. Now I couldn't have done that in my twenties. Right. And when I was 20, I would have sat in the last row of a plane, uncomfortable in a middle seat to go to Egypt or whatever. I'm 48 now. I won't do that now. So I won't sacrifice those things because I've in a different money mindset. Right. But you're, you, like you said, you can buy a cheap flight and still have an experience like I had it's just your experience and my experience is different because of our age and our financial situations. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So I do like some somewhat bougie things and some of things like I do them in a getaway, I guess, but <laughs> I, the lounges and the lounges were amazing. Like the last, after traveling so long or whatever, the lounge at assemble was super nice. We showered there. It was, had like a buffet, a pasta freaking thing. And, so many so much food all the snacks and like lounge chairs that is like me leveling up I remember a few years ago I never thought that I was even capable of living that lifestyle but you know getting used to treating myself more in that way and being more comfortable and a lot of having money is just being more comfortable and it's just a relief to have things taken care of like and I have global entry and TSA pre-check so that's just another thing where I thought before, like maybe I, not that I wasn't worthy of it, but like, I don't even know what it was. But once you start hanging around with people who travel a lot, you know, eat good, you know, give themselves these experiences that to them are the bare minimum, 
you realize like, okay, like I can do it too, or let me find out how to do it. And, you know, having money is just, in my opinion, you give yourself better things. Like you could eat more healthy, you can give yourself better experiences. And ultimately, I think that we're here to enjoy life and try to give ourselves, you know, the best we can. Yeah. And I think some people, and I know I'm guilty of this. Um, and it's usually people that have, don't have money in the bank or don't have savings set up. They're like, money doesn't buy happiness. Um, I'm going to say this and it's probably going to piss a lot of people off. Um, money might not buy happiness for you. Money buys happiness for me because I'm secure. It buys happiness for me because I'm not waking up in the middle of the night worrying about paying my bills. I don't have some, you know, huge windfall. I'm not wealthy or rich by any means, not yet anyways, but you know, money and saving money buys me being able to travel, which makes me happy. So it's okay to say like money can bring you joy. You know, it's okay. You're not a bad person for saying that. And you're not a bad person for wanting to do nice things for yourself, right? You just have to set yourself up in a way where you can do those things and you're not strapping yourself for money. You're not coming back from vacation or anything else panicked because you're like, oh my God, I took two weeks off. I didn't get a paycheck. I was already behind in my rent. Like, no, you do those things and you can come back and actually really enjoy your vacation because you know, you still got money in the bank. Yeah, definitely. I can see the difference of me when I traveled in my early twenties to now where before, like I was really mindful of what I was spending on and there was a lot of more decision-making and in this trip for Egypt, there were unexpected things we had to pay for, which we were not aware of. Like, different excursions and optional things and yeah yeah and like some people got sick on the trip and some girl flew home so it was like things like that happen but when you have you know you have the money to spend money on certain things like you don't have to miss out as much as you know when I didn't have money yeah yeah and like shit shit happens whether you're on vacation or you're at home you know I mean That's, again, like what I touched on the very beginning. You just need to have that security because no one plans for uh, something awful to happen. Nobody. Yeah. Or even something that you want to experience that comes up that's a positive thing, you know? Yeah. Want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, let's talk about the afterpay thing that you talked to me about before, how that's like a thing now with our culture where people owe people forever on certain things with afterpay. Yeah, I think afterpay is the I'm I'm older, so I don't know if a lot of people of your generation know like layaway, but like I grew up in a layaway culture, like my mom would layaway was basically you go to the store, you buy a bunch of clothes for your kids or whatever or things. And you make payments on it. They hold it for you for a certain period of time and you make payments on it because you don't have all the money up front, right? And a lot of people used to do this with like school shopping. This was a very popular thing for like middle class people. Um, Christmas time, you know, you want to get your kids bikes or video games. You would go to the store and you would put it on layaway and you would make payments and then they would release all your stuff on your last payment. They got away from that whole thing, obviously. And now we see things on everything we buy. There's afterpay. We just actually got something at the salon that would allow people to get like hair extensions um, and pay over a certain period of time. And it's it's a very short period of time. So um, we don't come across a lot. But there's been a lot of women that have really, really, really wanted it and can't come up with the initial payment. And they break it up in three things. And it works great for them. I'm lucky because the the company that we use pays us up front. So if there's an issue with the client, they have to deal with it, that, which is the only reason I agreed to do it because I didn't want to be chasing people and I didn't want my stylist to not get paid. So um, that's why. But I see this afterpay on everything or at, and like, especially with Shopify things, right? And you get a t-shirt, it's $35, like make four payments of $17 or whatever. Well, by the time you end up making them with a tax or whatever, you're paying more. So again, if you have to buy that thing and make it in installments because you don't have the physical money in your possession at that time, don't buy it. Put it in the cart 
and go back when you do. But to start to reward yourself with something that you know you can't afford because you got to make it in payments, right? Other than your car payment or your rent, you should try to keep your payments as little as possible. Your credit card payment should be low. Any of that kind of stuff should be low. You're, you're going to have a car payment most a lot of times and you're going to have a mortgage most times. Other than that, if you can pay for things in their entirety without, like you said, giving fees or interest on a card, you're saving so much money a year. So much. Yeah, they say that if you can't buy something twice, you can't afford it. Like a car. Yeah. Like if you can't buy a car twice, it's like whatever, 40000 You can't afford 80000 Like obviously not right now in one. But right. like if your income is only 50000 a year, then that's not really a smart decision. No, it, exactly. I mean, and that was the big issue that people got into with the last recession and the housing crisis is, you know, these people that were making 50, 60,000, $70,000 were buying these houses for seven and 800,000, you know, cause the interest rate was low and obviously the interest rate spiked and they had no business getting those types of loans because they couldn't pay the mortgage. Their, their, their debt to income was, it was so off. Like, you know, you had teachers and and people that were buying these huge houses and all of a sudden their mortgage went from 2000 to 6000 and they end up losing their homes cuz they bought something they couldn't afford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And people need to ask themselves with material things if it actually matters for them to have it. Cuz sometimes I really like something or there's an ad that's been following me for months and I really want it, but then sometimes I order something and I'm like, I don't really want this, you know? It's more of like the idea of something is what actually was enticing to me rather than actually owning it. Well, and I think mindless scrolling on Instagram, you know, you're just feeling a little depressed one day and you're scrolling through Instagram and, you know, your your algorithm or whatever <laughs> has you dialed in and is just showing you all these things that you like and you just click buy you know, pay later. It's, it's just very easy, you know, back again, you know, I remember when my mom and my grandmother used to school shop from like a catalog, right. And you order, but it took like six weeks to get your stuff in. Now everything's instantaneous. Pay for it. It's at your door the next day. Yeah, literally. Yeah. But if we were, if we would pay ourselves as quick as we pay Amazon or delivery dudes, we would have so much more money in the bank. I know. I have never ordered food at home because I'm I don't like tipping people where if it's something that I can do myself, (laughs) but I will pick up food like trust and believe that I will literally call in and be there in like 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) And I easily just cook. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like having food delivered because it's easy for me. I don't mind paying whatever it is, but it was getting a little out of control. You know, it was getting a little out of control with the fees and everything else. And a lot of times I order from places where I will go in myself and just take a look, like, look at what, you know, a pub sub costs to buy at Publix and look what it costs to be delivered. It could be upwards of five or six more dollars per item. Yeah. And it gets addicting because everything in our society right now is easy access. And I've literally ordered a toothbrush, like a sole toothbrush (laughs) from Amazon because I didn't want to go anywhere, which I could have easily just gone to Publix, like down the street. Yeah. And it came the next day, but it's like so addicting because anything you want is really reach and And it can be dangerous. And we're all guilty of it. You know, I mean, I, my best friend a, a couple weeks ago called me. She's like, I'm so embarrassed to say this, but she said, the other night I was just really craving, I don't remember what cereal it was, but she literally Instacarted at 10 o'clock at night, a box of cereal and a gallon of milk. And she said it costs like $24. Oh my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> We've all done it. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I've done it before. So um, just being conscious of those things, I think is something that brings awareness to your spending habits. Yeah. First world problems for sure. <laughs> Also, we had talked about when you're in a relationship or in a marriage, what are the tips that you would give people to not screw themselves over in the future? I know this is going to be a touchy subject because, you know, everyone has ideas about roles and, you know, 
masculine feminine roles and all that. And I'm just going to speak to what worked for me. Again, I was married for a very long time. Um, We never had, we didn't have any money. We never signed a prenup, didn't think anything of it, whatever. We always had separate personal checking accounts. And then we had a joint uh, personal account um, for like bills and stuff like that. And then we had stuff for our business. So, you know, if I wanted to buy something, you know, for myself, I didn't have to explain to my husband. So I always kept my own money. I think having your own money is very, very important. And I get that there's a lot of people that, you know, give up working when they have kids and they're stay at home moms. And that's great for them. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't know what to say to a stay at home mom about making her own money. Cause she's, she's not, she's reliant on her husband. Personally for me, that wouldn't work. Um, so I think that you have to have very clear conversations, whether you're married or you live with someone about what's yours and what's theirs and be very, very mindful of communal accounts and such. When I got divorced, it started off amicable and it got real unamicable quick. And I remember going to the grocery store one day and I don't know, it was like $78 or something. And it said declined. I was like declined. And I looked and my bank account was cleared out and I went to the bank immediately and I was like, listen, I don't know what's going on. Like, and the woman who had been the banker there forever, she knew me and my ex. She's like, yeah, your ex cleaned out all the accounts. Damn. And guess what? He had every right to, his name was on everything. I could have done the same thing. And I never would have thought in a million years that like that would have happened to me, but it does. And it happens to a lot of people when they're going through divorce, people get crazy about money and stuff. He had my, my cell phone shut down because I had had the same number forever, but it was under his name. And even though I was on the account, this was crazy to find out. But if you're not the primary account holder on a cell phone, the other person can do it. So he just shut my phone down. And I'm an intelligent woman who works and has means and it has money. When I was going through all that stuff, it really made me think about women who are, are not working. They're maybe stay at home moms. They've maybe, you know, been a stay at home mom for a long time or a mom that is maybe an immigrant or isn't working and is an abusive relationship. And the man has all the power and they can't leave. Someone might be beating their ass and they can't leave because the guy has all the money. And if this guy who I was married to for some reason could shut my cell phone off, Beth Bradley, like a a, a successful woman, what is the poor woman who hasn't been working, didn't know that her name wasn't even on that bill, didn't know her name wasn't on the mortgage, didn't know all these things. They are stuck. And I just encourage people, not in a negative way, but to just know what your name is on and to have your own oh shit fund. I know this lady, well, I don't know her personally, but she had a car for her kids and they were married, but they're going through divorce and he had his name on the car, but she was making the payments. But when they were going through divorce, he wanted to take the car back just to be petty. Yep. And the police came to her house and they're like, you have to just give up the car. But she had every right to keep the car. And because there was like a restraining order, she was able to keep it because of some legal thing. But there was no evidence of her actually, you know, being the owner of the car. She wasn't the owner. She got lucky that she got because her name wasn't on it. So even if she was paying him, what was she? She was either probably sending him a check or cash, whatever. Any good attorney is going to argue, well, how do we know that went to the car? Yeah, exactly. So something innocent I don't think is going to be a problem ever could become a huge problem. Could become a huge problem. I mean, it happens in business negotiations every day. Like, not only in marriages, but it happens in business negotiations where, you know, you hear someone say, oh my God, I was in business with this person for 30 years and they fucked me. They stole all my money, right? CFOs do it all the time. They steal all the money and these companies go bankrupt. This is not an 
you know, it sucks when it happens to you because it's unexpected, but it, it happens all the time. And I've seen many of my friends and even clients that I know that have just gotten so financially screwed over because a, a marriage is like a business deal. And if you're not on top of your business, you know, then that person is, believe me, believe me, your name needs to be on the car, the checking account, the house, the more like you need to just be very smart and protect yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. And learn from the mistakes of others so that you're not the one being the example to other people. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I'm not like anti-marriage or anything, but I'm very much, um, I would never commingle my funds again in a certain way, I guess. Um, because you just, it's just, you have to be real careful. It's a real slippery slope. Yeah. Especially as a woman, if you're actually working and it's your money, you know, it's not his money. You need to have your own account for sure. I know people my age, younger than me, and they never made a separate account and they were trying to leave. They couldn't because if they were to pull out money, they're going to notice. Yeah. And it just makes sense. Like if you work for your money, have your own account. And also I believe that if you are a stay at home mother, there should be a conversation about you getting an allowance because you are working 24 seven and kids get allowances. So like, why wouldn't the woman get an allowance? But also I do think that women should always have a backup or something that they do, whether it's like selling cookies or, you know, Poshmark or whatever, something yeah, that's they should always that's have something I think became so popular with a lot of women who were choosing to, you know, leave the workforce and, and stay at home and stuff. And again, I think people like shit on it because they think, oh my, it's a scam or whatever. Listen, you don't want to sell it. Don't fucking sell it. But I again have friends and clients that I know that choose to be stay at home moms and sell stick on nail polish or isogenics or whatever. And guess what? They're making their own money and they still get to stay home with their kids. Like they wanted to mazel. I think that's great. I think that's great. If you don't want to sell, you know, protein powder, whatever, don't. But if they want to, I say if, if even if you make a little bit of money, right. And you get a check, I don't care if it's for $35 a month, it's got your name on it. It's your money. It gives you some purpose because at some point, especially in this economy, I think a lot of people, I have friends that are stay at home moms and I know they are like chomping at the bit for when their children go back to school because they have to go back to work because of how expensive everything has gotten. Um, you just, you have to, I think, just keep that in the back of your head of a safety net, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also I think that women just have a sense of some purpose or a break of something. If a man you allow him to work, you know, as much as he wants to. He has his own life at work and all that. Like, women, they also deserve that, too. Yeah, everybody. I mean, I, I have a friend that, you know, her husband stays home because it worked out that she makes more money and their daycare and their nanny was, it was like they were losing money every month. So he's got another year at home. He just started doing some online stuff, like working for people online making money. But I mean, he said, Oh my God, I cannot wait to go back to work and get out of the house and start making, you know, as much money as my wife, because all this pressure has been put on her to make the money and be the breadwinner, you know, it's difficult. I think man or woman now as a single person is very difficult to live in this area on one income for sure. That's why, like you were saying, go hustle, get a second job do something else. It's very difficult to live a decent lifestyle in South Florida on one income. Yeah. And like, I fully support myself. I've lived alone for over five years and I'm just one person, but I can only cover my own cost. I cannot imagine having a kid right now. It would just, I can't even fathom that. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I give myself a good life and everything, but for anything extra, like, I don't, I can't, I yeah. cannot. It definitely adds up quick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like rent has been going up and I'm moving to Miami and the rent is way more expensive there and everything else is like in gas. 
So even if people don't need the extra money, just have a side job, like for fun. Yeah. Like make it a fun thing to save money and then move on from your savings to start investing and then actually educating yourself about different accounts to have. And then, you know, it's just a journey and a process, but overall it, it can be very rewarding to actually be financially savvy, especially as a woman. Cause a lot of us want to act like, you know, we're just like aloof about it because I think a society, the expectations are not for us to have our shit together with money, but we have to change that. You definitely have to change it. And I see a lot of people that are like, you know, I don't know if the word is like ultra feminist, but they're, you know, I'm a woman. I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. Okay. But you're completely financial risk, financially dependent on your husband or your boyfriend or your significant other. So you're not completely independent, you know, you don't want him to get the door for you because it offends you, but you want him to pay your bills. Like it yeah. can go both ways. I mean, it can, but you know, you gotta, you gotta figure, figure that out. And like you said about women being aloof, one of the best things I ever did, and I mentioned it in the beginning, and I encourage people to do this is get a financial planner, right? I still to this day do not understand a lot about the stock market and this and that, but I met somebody that I trusted and you have to trust that person. Like to me, my financial planner is right up there with like my OBGYN. Like he sees the the most personal (laughs) details of my financial life, right? Just like your OBGYN sees the most personal part of your like physical health and stuff. (laughs) Me different people. I'm serious that it's, you have to, when you want to be serious about your financial future, you need to be completely transparent with somebody that is smarter than you and knows how to manage your money better than you. And we probably met with four or five different financial planners before we met this guy. Um, And I will give him a shout out, David Siegel, Northwestern Mutual. He is by far the, I think the best, his team is just the best. Um, And he's taught me so much from when I literally was saving $20 a day to where I'm at now, but definitely Especially if you're like, oh, I can't talk about money. It confuses me. I'm overwhelmed. Great. Then find someone who's smarter than you, who has, who knows how to manage your money. Just like, you know, don't box dye your hair, right? You're not box dyeing your hair. Come to a professional, right? Yeah. You're, you're doing the guessing game if you buy box color, if it's going to work. You're, you're kind of saving money and messing around. You're, you're taking, you know, a chance. Hire somebody who this is their expertise, yeah, and they've seen definitely different cases of people without money, with money. Yes. That know what's going on. And also, I think the more I've gotten older, I realize that it's really important to have accountability, whether it's at the gym, hiring a trainer, having a fitness plan, having a yep. nutritional plan, whatever. When I was younger, didn't have money. I'm like, why the fuck would I pay for shit like that? Like, if I can just do it myself. But obviously, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, you know, at the gym or nutritionally, people have hire somebody that knows more than you do to get better at something. Yeah. And it's an investment for yourself in your future. And that's not really money lost. No. And like, the thing is, you if you want to get stronger, you hire a trainer, right? And you're paying them. You're not paying uh, to sit down and talk to somebody about your finances, right? Like once you start investing in such, yes, are they making a, a percentage? Of course, that's their job. Everyone deserves to get paid. But, you know, calling them and, and sitting down and having a conversation doesn't cost you anything. And I guarantee you the advice that they give you, especially if you stay on a path with them, is way more valuable than any amount of money you could pay somebody else to teach you something i guarantee it oh yeah for sure and there's so many different accounts that people don't realize are beneficial for your future for your kids future opening up this thing for this and ultimately there's like um accounts where you have living benefits so if you get into an accident like you make the money back and things like that so you wouldn't know that otherwise if it wasn't for speaking no, i wouldn't know yeah exactly I know hair. I consider myself an expert in my field, but I am humble enough to know when I'm, when I don't know something and I will ask for help. And that's where that person comes in for me. Yeah. And a lot of this financial talk is sometimes life and death. Like if your spouse, something happens to them or something happens to you, 
you need to have your financial shit in check because a lot of people, they never have a will written or, you know, things are not prepared for and then you don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's a terrible feeling. You know, that's a terrible feeling, especially if it's something that's a tragedy or something, you know, like you, God forbid, you know, you lose your, your spouse or your something or whatever. And all you're thinking about is, holy shit, I got to get back to work right away because I don't have money in the bank. Yeah. Literally every time my mom goes somewhere, she always gives me like the papers for this insurance and that insurance. And I'm like, this is a lot right now, but I appreciate that it's an open conversation because you know, you never know. Yep. You know, oh, yeah. my kid has all my passwords and everything is, you know, that's another thing you talk to your financial planner or your attorney or whoever you have, you know, about this is what I want. This is, I want, you know, my kids to get this money or this, or, you know, he gets, he gets, it's, that's another uncomfortable conversation, but one that's very necessary. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I think it was really necessary. And thank you so much again for coming on a second time. I'm sure we'll have more episodes on and let everyone know again where they can find you. So we are at the Collective Hair Studio in North Palm Beach, and you can find us on Instagram at collective underscore hair studio. Thanks, Mary. Thank you.